Namaskaram, welcome to Khomi. This is Aditi and I'm joined by my lovely co-host Sneha. Hi Sneha. Hello, hello. Well, at least there are no spinster cold opens this time. Anyway, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I took your note. Yeah, yeah. See, it's good. We are, we are collaborating and working together. Anyway, so, so many of y'all loved our last episode and we got r- r- nice reviews about this. And special <laughs> thanks to Telugu Twitter folks for all the reviews <laughs> and all the new listeners. Welcome to Khuni. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, before we begin, we would like to remind everybody that uh, we released some bonus content for you people this week. Uh, you guys should probably remember our episode on Gudia uh, we released in December last year. Uh, this was part of our collaboration with Ogilvy's Save the DNA campaign. Uh, the nice folks at Ogilvy arranged for us to talk to Dr. Vivek Sahajpal, who is the assistant director of the State Forensic Science Lab at Himachal Pradesh. Uh, he very patiently answered a lot of our questions about DNA forensics. Why is it not more prevalent in India? What are the challenges, etc., etc. Yes, and more importantly, he talked about the importance of preserving DNA on victims of sexual assault. He also shed light on genealogical DNA analysis, which is the technique that was used to actually solve Gudia's case. It is a short interview of about 20 minutes, but it's packed with a lot of useful information. So please, please do check it out. Also follow Agilvi's campaign on social media. We link everything in our episode description and on our Twitter and Instagram. Right. So now that that's out of the way, uh, let us come back to our (laughs) non-spy scandal. Last week, we talked about how Mariam's arrest allegedly uncovered a highly sensational espionage scandal at the Indian Space Research Organization. The Intelligence Bureau, which interrogated the suspects, stated that Mariam, Fauzia, Nambi Narayanan, Shashi Kumaran, Chandrasekharan, S.K. Sharma and Raman Shivastav were all part of an espionage ring which was stealing designs and drawings of cryogenic engine and also Vikas engine from ISRO and selling it off to assorted countries, including, but not limited to, Pakistan. Yay, Pakistan! <laughs> yeah. But then uh, the CBI got involved and as we said uh, in the previous episode, everyone realized that the bust was a bust and the whole espionage scandal was IB's fever dream. Exactly. So what happened? How did the IB make up such an intricate lie and why? And how was IB's lie discovered? Those are the questions we will answer in this episode. To answer all these questions, we need a relook into each of our accused one by one. First of all, let's talk about Mariam. We told you in the previous episode that Mariam was a 38-year-old unmarried woman. So that is not quite the whole story. Mariam was actually a divorcee. She had been married when she was 18 years old. She and her husband had a daughter, but they got divorced soon after her birth. If you all remember from the last episode, we had talked about how Mariam's background with the NSS had been one of the reasons the Indian authorities believed that she was a spy. But in reality, Mariam's job with the NSS had been a low-level one. She had joined as a private, which is basically an entry-level position. She had received weapons training, but that was quite routine. She wasn't exactly trained to be a master spy. Plus, yeah... (laughs) Her health was not good. We mentioned this in the previous episode as well. She had a heart condition and she had to frequently travel outside the Maldives for treatment. 
in fact her bosses at the nss were not happy with her at all and this was the reason why she finally quit after 5 years fazia had been her pillar of support during her more difficult times there was a time after her divorce when mariam's own family was refusing to take care of her fazia stepped in and offered her a place to stay Fazia herself was a divorcee. She had divorced her first husband after almost a decade of marriage. Her second marriage had been to a small-time Maldivian pop singer. Wow, okay. It was during this marriage that she had her daughter Zila. Yeah. We mentioned Zila in the previous episode when Chandrasekharan had confessed that he had seen Zila and Fazia in a hotel room together. This marriage also did not last and Fazia divorced a second time. Fazia worked multiple jobs to support herself and her children. She also acted in a Maldivian movie. Oh by the way this acting stint was later used against her when she was arrested by the police in India. <laughs> How? It added that glamour you know to the whole thing. Remember Diane yeah. Kruger in Inglorious Bastards? Basically they were imagining something like that. Okay, but also disgusting. I'm sure a lot of slut shaming yeah. was happening as well. Oh, for sure, for sure, both of them from day one. A lot of fantastical nonsense was being written about them in the press even before their interrogation. In fact, and this is an important mm-hmm. point to note that the local press was teeming with wild stories about Mariam and Fazia since the day they were arrested. KV Thomas writes about how this impacted the interrogation as well. And notice how I'm saying "quote unquote" interrogation instead of "quote unquote" investigation, because according to Thomas, while the uh, intelligence bureau mm. was focused on getting confessions, they weren't too concerned with corroboration of any of those confessions. <laughs> wow, what a shit show! Oh yeah, you'll be saying that a lot during this episode. <laughs> anyway, the point of giving everybody Mariam's and Fazia's backstory is to show that they were just regular women from Maldives that's all they didn't even have a lot of education to their name there was no history of espionage or shady dealings with foreign agencies mariam had come to india for treatment and fazia had come to get her daughter admitted at baldwin in bangalore so that zilla could get uh. a good education yeah i've heard it's a very posh school yeah 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 <laughs> so these two were like sisters in arms you know because mariam helped out fazia financially when she needed money and fazia put a roof over mariam's head when she had been homeless wait all this is cool yeah but what is the connection to isro why are we talking about all this there's no connection at all okay so what happened here isro was missing some documents and they decided to just randomly pin the blame on the first muslim foreigner women they could find nope no document was missing from isro either uh i do not like where this is going yeah okay so here's what happened okay remember chandrashekharan yeah yeah yap yap chatty guy yeah. so chandrashekharan and mariam had met while they were traveling from tiruvananthapuram to bengaluru Mariam was having some issues with Air Customs at Tiruvananthapuram Airport and Chandrashekharan was a fellow passenger. He quickly realized that this was a lady from a foreign land. She was all alone and he decided to be a good Samaritan and help her out. Uh, please please don't tell me that he was expecting something nefarious later for his troubles. No no no, apparently it was all above board. He was really just trying to be helpful. He sorted out her issue. They had a smooth flight. 
and at Bengaluru airport he offered her a ride home but Maryam declined saying that Fazia would come to pick her up and Maryam held on to his phone number she would need that again at least twice so the first time was when Fazia's daughter had gotten admission at Baldwin in Bangalore and they were demanding a fat juicy capitation fee the women couldn't afford that over and above the fees so Maryam called up Chandrashekharan to see if he could help them out he did help he in fact called up the school authorities to request them to waive the capitation fees this is how mariam and fauza met sk sharma he had been a friend of chandrashekharan and he had taken them to meet the contacts who eventually got the capitation fee waived now the second time was when mariam needed to see a doctor at manipal hospital she wasn't getting an appointment so she contacted chandrashekharan to see if he had any contacts and he did The wife of one of his work colleagues was a doctor at the hospital. So he called this work colleague and this work colleague turned out to be Shashi Kumaran from ISRO. Yes, so this was the so-called connection. <laughs> and this is how Kerala police linked Mariam and Fazia to Chandrashekharan and Shashi Kumaran. Their phone numbers were in Mariam's diary. Wow. Yeah. basically chandrashekharan was one like one of those uncles we all have yeah. that one with a lot of contacts yeah, they yeah. network a lot by network they just know a guy who knows a guy <laughs> they can get you in touch with politicians bureaucrats you name it they know them yeah. so it was through him that mariam fazia and shashi kumaran and sk sharma were sort of connected we should clarify though that mariam and fazia never met nambi narayanan or raman shivastava in fact the first time nambi even saw the both of them was on 9th november 1994 when he had to appear before a sessions court so intelligence bureau had used so many dirty tactics to get the accused to quote and quote confess espionage every single person was tortured during interrogation Nambi's medical report indicated that his legs were stolen and both legs had multiple hemorrhage rashes. He was not allowed to sleep for 2 days. He was not even allowed to sit down. Like he had he was made to stand for very long periods of time. Uh he was also made to strip down if you remember from the previous episode. Mm-hmm. Same with Maryam. She was not allowed to sleep. She was not allowed to sit down. Uh Inspector Vijayan, the police officer who had arrested her, told her that if she didn't confess, she would also be stripped naked and she would be made to lie on blocks of ice and then they would set loose crabs to crawl on her body. Why the fuck does intelligence bureau have crabs? I don't know what the fuck. Vision was from Kerala Police. He was not from IB. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Why <laughs> did Kerala Police have crabs? I don't know. I have what? no. What? This is insane. I didn't even know this was letting crabs crawl on somebody's body was a method of torture. This is very new to me. Oh. Uh, okay. Anyway, so yeah, none of the IB officials even identified themselves during interrogation. All the accused were physically assaulted. They were verbally abused. to give you a sense of just how low they sunk one of them told fazia that they would bring her 14 year old daughter into the room and rape her if fazia didn't confess to the crime yuck disgusting yeah they all need to be chemically castrated no 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 they need to be castrated with a rusty uneven edged knife Ugh. yeah probably and left there without any treatment after that to be healed or if not 
just probably made pus react there or whatever i don't care <laughs> and also they were really just setting precedent for things in 2020 weren't they i guess so sorry yeah remember how fozia had picked up raman shrivastav's photo from a lineup identifying him as coat and coat coat wala yeah yeah so she hadn't really it was just dumb luck and nothing else she was terrified and frustrated with the aggressive questioning by the ib officials raman's name had appeared in local papers uh, no doubt it was planted by his rivals so far chandrashekharan had not actually taken the name raman shrivastav and so when the photos were placed in front of fozia she randomly picked it out and she was coached also by the ib and kerala police absurd Yeah, and Maryam also said that she had been coached to take Nambi's name. In fact, she said that she couldn't even pronounce his name <laughs> at first because there was a language difference, right? Yeah. So they wrote it down for her on a piece of paper so that she could read it out loud. She was not even able to do that. So they literally made cue cards. They wrote down Nambi Narayanan's name in big bold letters. It held it up next to the video camera that was recording the whole thing, and they made her read it. And CBI looked at this tape later multiple times when Maryam told them the truth, and they could make out Maryam. She was squinting her eyes and she was trying to look at something when she was looking at the lens. She was oh. trying to read the goddamn cue cards. Yeah, this is how Nambi's name was purposefully dragged into the whole mess. Dude, yeah. they could have just. Yeah. like literally they could have just used all of this time to solve real <laughs> crime not like yes. make up crime to solve yeah it was insane insane how much fiction went into this um uh, so the first thing that the cbi did when they took over the whole investigation was to take them away from kerala mm-hmm. uh, to avoid the media glare and political pressure so they were taken to tamil nadu and over there all of the accused were called one by one in a room where a cbi officer was sitting with raman shrivastav nambi said what he said earlier to ib and kerala police that he never even seen or met raman shrivastava everyone else had named raman but when they were brought in the room all of them said that they did not know raman and had never met him okay i never thought i would say something like this dude when we <laughs> actually decided to do a true crime podcast yeah so then the cbi officer asked them why they said they knew him they all told the cbi that they had been coached by the interrogators mariam told them that she had been made to memorize raman's photo by police officers shashikumaran also said that at first he told the interrogators he didn't even know raman but later he was threatened and tortured and he had no idea wait so they were leading the witnesses then oh yeah big time okay nambi also took a lie detector test and passed and i don't know the details with mariam but she was threatened and tortured as well chandrashekharan shashikumaran sk sharma and nambi narayanan were all physically assaulted i had already mentioned in the previous episode that he was forced to strip down to bare essentials before his interrogation even began just to break his spirit perhaps the worst thing was the mind games these people played with the arrested almost everyone was told that the others had already quote unquote confessed and had already named them so they might as well just tell the whole story okay i'm getting like intense west memphis 3 flashbacks 
yeah yeah basically basically when they went to uh, interrogate yeah. uh, they arrested fozia after mariam right so yes. when Ma- fozia came in uh, they told her that oh mariam has already named you in this thing Yeah, uh, she's already yeah. yeah she's she's already said that you are involved in this espionage mariam has confessed and she's already said that you're part of this espionage story and then they arrested chandrashekharan and to chandrashekharan mm-hmm. they said that oh you might as well confess because mariam and fozia have already taken your name and we already know what your role was and they did yeah. this to every other person who was arrested as well yeah man like oh my god this is just giving me such intense west memphis 3 vibes of like jesse miss kelly Damien something and that other dude it's literally just oh my god yeah i just i can't believe like police everywhere is the same anyway nambi writes about how one of his subordinates and his driver were also questioned by the intelligence bureau the ib told nambi that both of them had testified that they had seen nambi carry papers from isro to his car later on nambi found out that none of this was true his subordinate and dri- the driver made no such confession in fact ib had been tough with them fed them information but they never wavered from the truth their boss never took any documents home from isro never ib and kerala police could not break this subordinate and driver so they just straight up lied to nambi to mess with his mind oh my god for a long time he firmly blamed Shashi Kumaran and Chandrashekharan and the Maldivian women for his plight. He mentioned being with them in a police van for the first time and feeling a lot of rage even though later on he would find out that they were all blameless just like him. Much of the truth around the scandal emerged during the CBI investigation. Both KV Thomas and Nambi Narayanan in their books talk about how from the very beginning the CBI was not convinced of the espionage story. It was a cause of concern for both Kerala police and the IB. It was also evident in the PIL we mentioned in our previous case that CBI's outlook had ruffled feathers among the civil society as well. I wouldn't say civil society here because people in power always weaponize civil society for their own narrow ends. I mean I don't know if anyone looked into the Niyamavedi uh, PIL to find out who funded the whole thing. but i'm sure that there were some politicians or police officers or their lackeys you know were behind yeah. this and they would all get into trouble if you investigated seriously <laughs> and nambi was connected to the whole thing through shashi kumaran and chandrashekharan if you read ready to fire uh, he is quite honest about the rage he feels towards shashi kumaran for his association with mariam and fozia because of which he too got dragged into the whole mess and while the broad contours of the story initially emerged from mariam's journal the details were filled in by malayalam media especially the local vernacular press apparently the story started appearing even before all the suspects had been interrogated by ib like yeah. from yeah the first paper to break the story of mariam's arrest was uh, thani needam and from there most of the vernacular papers picked up the story and embellished their own details Slut shaming was rampant in all these articles. They even speculated what sex positions Mariam and Fozia used to seduce potential targets. Yes, it got that bad. Nambi mentions that the editor of Kerala Comedy had a personal vendetta against Raman Shrivastav and they started speculating about his involvement. Okay, so that solves the mystery of how Raman Shrivastava got mixed up in the case. Yeah, I know. 
अपेरेंटली विद द एक्सेप्शन ऑफ द न्यू इंडियन एक्सप्रेस इंग्लिश पेपर्स वर मोस्टली फ्री फ्रॉम ऑल दिस डाइट ट्राइब ऑफ द मलयालम पेपर्स दे वर वेरी ऑब्जेक्टिव एंड रैशनल दे रिफ्यूज टू प्रिंट रूमर्स एंड दे ऑल्सो क्वेश्चन द आई बी स्टोरी इवन बिफोर सी बी आई केम इन वीव मैंशन शेखर गुप्ता एज वन ऑफ द अपराइट वंस बट बिसाइड्स हिम नंबी नेम चेक्स टू मोर वन इज़ राजशेखरन नायर फ्रॉम सैवी मैगजीन एंड द अदर इज़ टी एन गोपा कुमार फ्रॉम एशियानेट The New Indian Express was basically regurgitating whatever bile Malayalam papers were spewing, and the flow of baseless bile continued even after all the accused were in custody in Kerala. Nambi tells this hilarious story about how one day there was unusual activity in the prison where he and Shashi Kumaran were kept. and uh, they were basically they were strip searched uh, an extra time uh, their cells were thoroughly checked there was extra security at night overall the atmosphere was very tense uh, the next morning nambi asked a prison officer what the fuss was all about and the prison officer said we got intel that pakistani commandos were going to break into the prison and help nambi and shashi kumarin <laughs> escape <laughs> do <laughs> I I I I don't think we are a true crime podcast <laughs> anymore. <laughs> oh god. Okay, dude, like what? Someone really <laughs> sent in that intel and an <laughs> actual police officer for real, like for real real believe that shit. Yeah. Wait. <laughs> yes. Do you mean to say that Pakistani commandos will come to Kerala? like not even <laughs> secret sleeper agents or something no like straight up commandos like what yes <laughs> amazing no yeah. like th- when i was researching this whole epi- yeah. like this whole espionage story i w- i kept thinking to myself i want what kerala police was smoking throughout this whole incident yeah me too like, and the i <laughs> my life would be so sad <laughs> yes <laughs> Uh anyway so as the CBI dug deeper into the espionage case they were finally able to get to the very core of it if there was if you can say was such a thing the arrest of Maryam Rashida we mentioned in the previous episode that Maldivians could stay in India without a visa for 90 days Maryam's 90 days was supposed to be done on 14th October 1994 Inspector Vijayan who we also mentioned in the previous episode was in charge of foreigners in Tiruvananthapuram at that time a few days before she was supposed to leave the country there was a glitch there was a massive plague outbreak in surat in 1994 when that happened international travel was affected just like it is right now during the covid pandemic many flights got cancelled or rerouted and including mariam's mariam was supposed to leave well before her 90 day period but because of the plague her flight got cancelled and the next available flight was on 17th october technically the 93rd day ordinarily it would have been a simple case of extending her permit given the extraordinary circumstances but mariam had the terrible luck to be stuck with inspector vijayan vijayan was a cd lech oh the seriest seriest of them all <laughs> long story short he asked mariam to sleep with him she told him to fuck off yeah and tale as old as time 
creepy old man with authority tries to sexually exploit a vulnerable woman and the vulnerable woman fights back and the creepy man with authority is enraged and destroys the life of the vulnerable woman i don't get why hell hath no fury like a woman scorned <laughs> is an adage because in my experience that should be applied to men more than women you say no to a man there is no limit to what he may do i'd say depending on the level of entitlement anything from slut shaming to shaming you for being a prude or straight up rape threats yeah and this is like two or three on the entitlement <laughs> scale okay if yeah. entitlement is above like 4 5 then just straight up expect acid attacks running over you by a car <laughs> killing your parents actual rape or violence all of this in increasing intensity by the way yeah also i'm just going to say it before some men downgrade <laughs> us on apple for male bashing hashtag not all men <laughs> there <laughs> yeah 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 anyway during mariam's trial for charges under the foreigners act it emerged that vijayan in fact confiscated her flight tickets out of india and her passport making sure she couldn't leave eventually she was acquitted when vijayan had arrested her he was definitely driven by revenge it was by chance that he found shashikumaran's and chandrashekaran's contact info in her diaries which conveniently just linked her case to isro also do you remember chandrashekaran talking about kotwala brigadier yeah raman's nicknames uh not raman's nicknames in fact not nicknames at all because first of all brigadier is a stupid nickname <laughs> And secondly, the origins of Brigadier lie in Fazia and Mariam's initial testimonies. I told you that Fazia came to Bengaluru to get her daughter admitted in Baldwin, but she was having trouble with the capitation fees. Yeah, yeah, and Chandrashekaran found some contact who helped her out, right? Yeah. So this contact was a man called K. L. Bhasin. Bhasin was an ex-army officer. Oh, boy, brigadier! Like holy shit, brigadier, right? Brigadier. Yes, exactly. So we specifically said that Chandrashekaran had not identified Raman Shrivastav by name. The idea of a man called brigadier had been fed to him by the police because they first heard it from Mariam and Fazia. Holy shit! Yeah, when Mariam and Fazia were being tortured by the police during their interrogation, apparently they told them that they knew an IG or a brigadier. The thing is that they were Maldivian and they did not understand Bhasin's position very well. Okay. Right. So they got confused about whether he was police or he was in the army. But they did say that you know you stop torturing us, otherwise we'll call up this uh, brigadier or IG. They understood that he was a man of some authority, and they brought him up to basically tell the police that they knew someone. Uh, who could help them out if the police don't stop torturing them yeah. later on people with vested interests and grudges against raman would attach his name and the police and ib would force all the accused to name him as the brigadier that uh, chandrashekharan eventually mentioned every time okay i think the story can't get stupider <laughs> it just baffles me it it surprises me Sorry it shocks me. <laughs> Wait madam I have more stupidity for you. Hmm okay. So the whole crux of this case is that Nambi and others sold confidential drawings and plans of cryogenic engine and Vikas engine to other countries right? Huh. Turns out that that was virtually impossible to do because India did not have said drawings or plans of cryogenic engine at the time of the scandal. <laughs> brilliant brilliant i love where this episode is going love it 
listeners who whoever is in the same boat as me right now just like have a beer <laughs> on my name or something if you are of age yeah right yeah. like india never got the cryogenic engine <laughs> tech from russia remember and the decision to actually develop our own tech was taken only in 1994 so at the time of this non scandal in september 1994 there was no cryogenic engine tech to sell at all in part 1 we had mentioned that glav cosmos chairman dunayev and the man in charge of cryogenic engine alexey vasin were both implicated in the espionage ring ib had contended that they were involved in buying vikas engine tech for glav cosmos vikas engine powered isro's pslvs and it had been developed with cooperation from the french remember the story we told about nambi trying to secretly bring documents from france that one yeah dunayev thought the whole idea was ridiculous since vikas engine tech was almost 10 years old and ussr had better technology <laughs> it would make no sense for them to steal it from india of all places he clearly says those who are initiating such inquiries did not obviously have any technical expertise let alone any idea of the rich legacy of indo russian space cooperation Oh, bhai. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of the documents, CBI sought a report from the ISRO about any documents that may be missing from its premises. The Liquid Propulsion System Center director put together a committee to audit all the documents. Two reports were submitted after a comprehensive audit of the documents. It was found that in total, 254 documents were missing, that too from the non-cryo department. so they had nothing to do with cryogenic engine basically nope also even these 254 documents made up for less than 1% of the documents or drawings at that liquid propulsion system center even these were not vital to the research at isro the fact that they were missing had absolutely no impact on the cryogenic engine program whatsoever furthermore none of these documents or drawings were confidential for that matter since isro is a research organization none of its drawings documents research is confidential everything <laughs> is open access which means yeah. any scientist can access these drawings at any time both nambi and shashikumaran had access to these documents as well even though there was no record of them having taken them out of isro plus the drawings are all open source because they were routinely given to contractors to fabricate parts that were needed so the drawings were freely shared with fabricators none of this was some highly guarded secret that needed to be stolen in the dead of the night and sold off anywhere <laughs> nambi narayanan also writes in his book that making a cryogenic engine is not as easy as simply stealing drawings from isro i mean even if you have the drawings it requires considerable know-how and training and hands-on training to build the yeah, engine i'm sure Yeah and that's what happened with the Vikas engine as well. In fact I highly recommend our listeners to read Ready to Fire because Nambi tells the story of Vikas engine in detail and listeners can truly understand why the cryogenic engine story makes absolutely zero sense. We are quoting directly from the refer report submitted by CBI to the sessions court in Ernakulam. 
the interrogation reports as recorded by the ib officers are incoherent and full of contradictions and do not give the exact nature of documents which were allegedly passed on to foreign agents rather they have blandly recorded that the drawings or documents of viking engine and cryogenic engine was secreted out further they failed to reconcile the statements as the statements contradict each other on several points the above mentioned facts show that the aforesaid ib officials comprising the team inquiring into isro case acted in a non-professional manner and were privy to the arrest of six innocent persons thereby causing them immense mental and physical agony then the cbi report further said that the senior officers who were supervising and monitoring the inquiries uh for example uh, shri kumar sibi matthews etc they all failed mm. in their duty to conduct an inquiry in an objective and fair manner at the uh, ib headquarters the notes referred to uh, above were prepared based on these interrogation reports without any verification leading to serious complications including casting doubts on the integrity of top 2 isro scientists who were responsible for developing the pslv project and launching our country into space these scientists being nambi narayanan and shashi kumar respectively so the cbi report named several officers for dereliction of duty and due to the space and time constraints it will not be possible for us to individually <laughs> discuss everyone but we will talk about sibi matthews who was heading the special investigation team in the espionage case so cbi alleged that he ordered indiscriminate arrests of isro scientists without adequate proof he completely gave up control to the intelligence bureau even though mariam and fozia were in kerala police's custody he didn't even do basic things like check up alibis of people involved cbi did that later and they very easily proved that a lot of stories that the ib was telling were blatantly untrue because the people who were involved in these stories had very solid alibis for those days Sibi Matthews didn't even check with ISRO if any of the documents were missing which CBI did later on he he also did not look at any money trail even though IB alleged that lakhs of rupees had exchanged hands and also nobody found any disproportionate assets of any kind on any of the accused so much of the scandal was the result of political infighting within Kerala we mentioned that Raman Shivastav was very close to Kerala CM uh, Karunakaran and people in karunakaran's own party the congress had a vendetta against him his main rivals were ak antony and uman chandi the moment the scandal broke and it looked like there was some political mileage to be gained they jumped onto the bandwagon like vultures on dead cows it is widely believed that the allies of antony and chandi had a big role to play in feeding stories about raman shivastav to the media all in a bid to hurt karunakaran So one of those leaders was uh, Cherian Philip. He's now a political leader in Kerala. He was the yeah. leader of, ha. Huh, he was a leader of Youth Congress back in 1994, and he was part of the Antony faction. So him and several others rented a small room near Trivandrum Medical College, and they basically just held court with journalists. I mean, this was where the rumor creation was taking place. And how do we know all this? Because Cherian Phillips confessed. as much a few years later and this is what he had to say on karuna karan's fifth death anniversary he said even after 20 years i'm still haunted by guilt hence i'm coming out to tender apology on his fifth death, death anniversary and initially karuna karan had stood by shrivastav but after the pil in kerala high court where cbi was criticized shrivastav was suspended despite not being at fault at all on march 16th 1995 karuna karan would resign 
On 22nd March, Antony would be sworn in as the Chief Minister of Kerala. Karunakaran could never recover politically, even though he had been a tall leader in Kerala and he died a bitter man. Even though the Chief Judicial Magistrate at Ernakulam accepted the CBI report, Kerala government pursued the matter for a very long time. I think it was mostly to save face. In 1996, the police officers involved in the scandal, like Sibi Matthews, pressured the chief minister to continue investigation in the case. And this was challenged by the accused and the CBI in Kerala High Court. This High Court gave this very confusing order that it could not stop the government from continuing the investigation, but at the same time, it had no jurisdiction to investigate under the Official Secrets Act. How does that work? It's allowing the government to continue, but saying at the same time that the investigation would be invalid? Yeah, like I said, confusing. So they appealed in the Supreme Court in 1998, which finally said, this is enough, stop this investigation, you're all a bunch of freaks, go home now. Okay, that's not what it said, <laughs> Aditi's paraphrasing. Yeah, obviously. That's essentially what they meant. <laughs> yeah, obviously I'm paraphrasing. Anyway, so <laughs> thankfully the useless investigations, if we can even call them that, came to an end and... Nambi never gave up the fight for justice. He went on to the National Human Rights Commission, demanded compensation for his ordeal. It was granted, but the compensation was never released. He approached <laughs> yeah, he approached the Kerala High Court to demand release of the compensation. Finally, he got it after 11 years. Can you imagine 11 years? God, this is terrible. Yeah, and it was 10 lakhs. He waited 11 years for 10 lakhs. Shit. He later also moved the Supreme Court uh, and there was a 2018 verdict in which he was awarded 50 lakh as compensation. And the Supreme Court in this case recognized how pointless and cruel the whole espionage case was. And it uh, finally set up a committee to look into all the police officers who were the architects of the scandal. And this was it. The final declaration that Nambi and all the others were completely innocent. Chandrasekharan died merely hours before this 2018 verdict, by the way, if you really want to cry. S.K. Sharma also died a bitter man. Fauzia is gearing up to fight for compensation from the Indian government. The only person who had somewhat of a happy ending was Raman. He went on to become the DIG in Kerala and later headed the BSF. On a final note, I would like to add that while the espionage case destroyed the lives of people involved in it, it also had a chilling impact on India's space aspirations. Nambi said it majorly impacted morale at the ISRO and set back our GSLV program by almost 15 years. Nambi points to US interference and speculates that the US might have had a hand in creating this spy case from thin air. And I'll be honest, this is not something I can fully verify. But it's an interesting theory nonetheless. Journalist Rajshekhar Anaya wrote a book called Spies from Space, The ISRO Frame. He says his book described in detail how IB colluded with the US to cook up the spy story. So naturally, when I was researching this case, I looked for the book. The book is not in publication anymore. Then I came across an article in Open Magazine. Helpfully titled, Why My Book Didn't Sell <laughs> by Rajshekhar Nair. <laughs> He basically blames IB for threatening his publisher to not publish the book. The publisher, of course, denies this. The interesting part of the article is where he talks about why US may have had a hand in scuttling our GSLV program. We mentioned last week that US stopped technology transfer of cryogenic engines to India from the USSR by invoking the MTCR. Ostensibly, it was because they thought that India would use cryogenic engines for missiles. 
While it is true that cryogenic engines are useful in both missiles and satellite launch vehicles, the manner of deployment is very different. Also at that time, neither India nor Russia were formally a part of the MTCR, but Russia was dependent on the US aid. So Boris Yeltsin walked back on his promise. In 1993, another agreement was stuck between Glavkosmos and ISRO to basically hoodwink American sanctions. They figured that cryogenic engine would be fabricated in India, but technology transfer would first happen in a private Indian-based agency from Glavkosmos. This agency was Keltec, K-E-L-T-E-C. Americans found out about this arrangement, but th- at this point, they felt that regular diplomacy may not be of much help. This is when Mariam Rashida was arrested and Shashikumaran's number was discovered among her contacts. So according to Raj Shekhar, the US jumped at this opportunity and basically colluded with IP to concoct a whole espionage story. According to him, the ultimate targets were not Nambi and others. The plan was to implicate the director of Liquid Propulsion Systems Center. Nambi was tortured to take their names, but he didn't implicate his colleagues. So Raj Shekharan quotes uh, G. Madhavan Nair. He was the former chairman of ISRO. And he was speaking at a public meeting in Thiruvananthapuram in December 2012. He said, But for the timely transfer of the case to CBI, more than 100 ISRO scientists would have been behind bars. Again, in 1997, a written statement was issued jointly by five scientists, Satish Dhawan, U.R. Rao, uh, Yashpal, uh, Narsimha, K. Chandrasekharan and uh, T.N. Seshan. And they said, quote, The espionage case reveals that the country's space program, or for that matter, any other strategic program, may no longer be immune to external interference, unquote. So this was basically acknowledgement that ISRO's GSLV program was highly vulnerable to foreign interests. The whole thing ended ISRO's experiment with Caltech, which seriously delayed our ability to launch GSLVs. ISRO managed it eventually because, like I said, ISRO is full of rock stars. The first GSLV Mark III, which has a cryogenic upper stage, was successfully tested in December 2014. So 20 years then. Yeah. And as the head of cryogenic program, Nambina Rayanan wanted to achieve this by 2001. Oh man, what a story. So guys, we hope you liked our two-parter on this insane, crazy, just mind-numbing scandal. Let us know if you'd like us to cover more cases like this. And also be sure to check out our bonus episode where we interview Dr. Sajpal as well. And finally, coming to the part where... You know, we beg for reviews. <laughs> so wherever you listen to us, just follow or subscribe so that, you know, you'll know when we upload next. Not only that, if you listen to us on Apple, just hit the subscribe button or maybe write us a review. Give us a rating. You can be nice or not nice. Whatever. It's all up to you. <laughs> and we will share every single one of your reviews on our Insta page. So get writing, man. Also, see you all next week. Bye-bye. Bye.